am I? How tough am I? I had a bowl of nails for breakfast this morning. <laughs> yes, so? Without any milk. It's Toolbox Time. I'm your host, DJ Abacella, welcoming you into another fun episode of our show. Coming up on this week's edition of the Toolbox, we'll take our first look at some promotions that will be making their way onto the 2018-19 home schedule. Some big events that you'll be able to look forward to at Wheeling Nailers home games in 2018-19. Also, the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins announced another signing at the end of last week, and it's a player who could make his way into Nail City during the upcoming season. One of the four remaining teams without an NHL affiliate in the ECHL has signed on with a team within its own state. We'll tell you who that is and who those remaining three organizations are. We'll also make our way into the world of officiating as one of the 2017-18 Nailers has decided to retire from his playing days of pro hockey and he's making his way into the world of refereeing, attending the NHL Officials Combine in Buffalo earlier this week. That's where we'll also catch up with the ECHL's new manager of officiating, that's Stephen Thompson, who is a referee in the league for the last four years. Plus, the ECHL has started a countdown of the top 30 players in league history, and we have a former Nailer coming in at number 28. Everybody loves promotions, and that's where we start on this week's show. And, of course, as we've talked about all summer long, you should have this date memorized by now. The 2018 home opener for the Nailers takes place on Saturday, November 3rd, when they take on the Indy Fuel. There will be live music and all sorts of fun activities leading up to puck drop on Saturday, November 3rd, the home opener for the Nailers taking on the Indy Fuel. The following month, Saturday, December 15th, the Norfolk Admiral come to town and that will be Nailer Mania, a wrestling themed night. You may have a chance to meet a wrestling superstar and everything that night will be themed wrestling. Nailer Mania, Saturday, December 15th. We turn the calendar over to 2019, and the first big promotion of that calendar year takes place on Saturday, January 12th. Nailers will once again take on their new Central Division rivals, the Indy Fuel. And in addition to Indy coming to town, so will SpongeBob SquarePants. It's SpongeBob and Scout Night, Saturday, January 12th at West Banco Arena. The next month, Saturday, February 16th, it's Murrican Night. And it just so happens that we're playing the only Canadian team in the ECHL that evening as the Nailers will take on the Brampton Beast. And then finally, the fifth and final big promotional night coming up this season will be Penguins Night and that takes place on Saturday, March 2nd when the Nailers face off against their closest geographical rivals, the Cincinnati Cyclones. And remember, as of now, individual game tickets are not on sale yet, so the only way that you can guarantee your seat for the those big five promotional nights, opening night, Nailer Mania, SpongeBob and Scout Night, Murica Night, and Penguins Night is to either purchase season tickets for the 2018-19 season or to get yourself a flex plan. And those are available by calling the Nailers at 304-234-GOAL. Let's talk some hockey. And the Wilkes-Barre Scranton Penguins announced a signing at the end of last week. And it's a player that could see time here in Wheeling during the upcoming season. Is it a defenseman named Johnny Austin. Johnny played his college hockey at the University of Connecticut the last four years when he was teammates with a fellow defenseman, Joe Masonius, who 
also signed an AHL deal with Wilkes-Barre Scranton earlier this summer. Upon finishing his collegiate career at UConn, Austin played nine games in the American Hockey League with the Laval Rocket. That is a Montreal Canadiens affiliate. That was at the end of last season. He checks in at five foot nine, 195 pounds, signed an AHL deal, so we'll see where Johnny Austin lands on the depth chart and if he could be in the lineup for the Nailers this coming season. Some other player movement involving in the ECHL with some former Nailers. First off, the Allen Americans re-signing J.C. Campagna, who spent some time with the Nailers briefly in the middle of last season. Played for four different teams in the ECHL last year, did J.C. Finishing up with Allen, came up with totals of 13 goals, 22 assists, and 35 points in 45 games. Also scored twice in seven playoff games. And we'll have a chance to see J.C. and the Allen Americans, who will be coming to town on December 12th. And he has a couple of other former Nailers as as teammates in defenseman Mike Gunn and forward Casey Piero Zabatel. We continue on. Another former Nailer who was with the team very briefly last season, signing with another team in the ECHL, and that's Luik Marcotte, who played the final two games of the year with the Nailers, had a goal and an assist. He is signed on with the Atlantic Gladiators. He ended up finishing the year, Luik did, with 33 points in 48 games. And, well, we won't see the Gladiators. In fact, Wheeling hasn't played the Gladiators since December of 2014. That was the first time that the Nailers were victorious with that crazy system where they had a player, a forward at the offensive blue line the whole game. What a memory that was. And the Gladiators, this is wild because the Nailers were primarily in the same conference as Gwinnett slash Atlanta. They have not come to West Banco Arena since February of 2013. Another player from last year's team who signs on with another club in the ECHL announced this week is forward Chris Francis. Francis was acquired in a three-team trade along with the Orlando Solar Bears and the Quad City Mallards in the middle part of last season. Ended up with eight goals, 12 assists, and 20 points in 35 games as an Ailer. He will be in the Western Conference but in the other division as he joins the Tulsa Oilers for what will be his ninth professional season. Another former Nailer signing in the ECHL this week is someone that we saw here during the 2013-14 and 2014-15 seasons and he also works out during the summer as very good friends with another former Nailer in Tyler Murovich and that is defenseman Nicholas Kukali. Nicholas and his brother Alexander both signing on with the Fort Wayne Comets a team that we will see quite a bit coming up this season. So Kukali signing along with Fort Wayne and that Fort Wayne Comets team as I turn my head and look at the board which you may have seen my boards this week if you were watching the Nailers Instagram takeover for the ECHL and the Comets are well ahead of everybody else in the pack they have announced 23 players now signed for the 18-19 season not really any surprise Fort Wayne usually likes to stack the cupboards pretty thick as they go in towards the season and certainly by far they have the most I have Maine in second with 19 players announced and then South Carolina in third with 18 in our division we have Indy having announced 11 Toledo with nine Cincinnati 
with five, but they announced a big one this week in Justin Vive, a forward, and then Kalamazoo is at five as well. There was a player who played for both Wheeling and Fort Wayne briefly this past season, and that is Marcus Basara, who has moved on and is taking his talents across the pond to Europe as he is signed with Manchester of the EIHL, and there are a couple of very familiar faces there, which Basara will be teammates with, former Nailers both on the team that went to the Kelly Cup final, that being forward Shane Baker and defenseman Harrison Ruop. We always track and try and figure out who's left and who's gone where, who's on the market. And there were, of course, 56 players who played on the Nailers last season. So I'm not going to go down and give you the whole list of who's still available and who's not. But I'll give you four out of the 56. And, of course, a lot of those have already signed. But that catch my eye who haven't signed yet, or at least that I haven't seen. There's a few that I've seen that haven't been announced by their respective teams yet. Some may be here, some may be elsewhere, but haven't heard anything as far as it goes for Garrett Mears and Ross McMullen, who both finished last season with the Nailers, and then also Hunter Fegis, who ended up with the Orlando Solar Bears, haven't heard where he is going to be in the upcoming season, nor Sean McGuire, who was coming off of an NHL contract last year, traded from Pittsburgh to Arizona midseason. One other player move to talk about is a player who it's been a little while since he was here in Wheeling, but he was one of our graduates to the National Hockey League, and that is Zach Sill, who signed with HC Sparta Praha in the Czech Republic. Sill played six games with the Nailers during the 2009-2010 season, proceeded to stay in the organization into 14-15, which included 62 games with the parent club, the Pittsburgh Penguins, spent the last three seasons in the Washington organization, mostly as a member of the American Hockey League's Hershey Bears. couple other news snippets out of the ECHL this week. First off, another affiliation has been announced, so that leaves just three teams on the board that have yet to announce theirs, Fort Wayne, Greenville, and Rapid City. If you read the media and what comes out of Fort Wayne, it sure looks like they are going to be with the Vegas Golden Knights, but that is not official as of yet. What is official is that the Orlando Solar Bears are staying in state with the Tampa Bay Lightning as their NHL affiliate, and that is a three-year agreement. Orlando had previously been with the Toronto Maple Leafs for the last five years before Toronto left Orlando to link up with the Newfoundland Growlers, an expansion team in the league this year. And then Tampa Bay had what I would call a friendly relationship with the Adirondack Thunder this past season. They were not the official affiliate. That was the New Jersey Devils for Adirondack, as it will be this year. Last official affiliation for for the Tampa Bay Lightning was with the Kalamazoo Wings during the 2016-17 season. Another ECHL note, the league has introduced a countdown of the top 30 players in league history, which coincides with the conclusion of this past year, which was the 30th season of ECHL hockey. And so far, we've seen numbers 21 through 30, and one of those was a former nailer. That is Scott Burt, who checked in at number 28. Burt spent one season in Wheeling, scoring 10 goals, 14 assists, and 24 points in 43 games during 1999-2000. One of the most noteworthy games for Scott Burt was a hat trick, his only one in a Wheeling uniform, and it came in the team's largest scoring outburst ever, a 14-0 
15-2 win over his former team, the Toledo Storm, back at the Wheeling Civic Center on April 2nd, 2000. I can't believe that our goal horn had that much juice in it not to make everybody deaf after scoring 14 goals in a game that evening. Wow, just some awesome stuff there. For those of you wondering where Scott Burt is now, and this kind of ties into where are they now, but we'll get to that person in just a moment. Scott Burt is preparing to begin his sixth season as an assistant coach in the Western Hockey League with the Spokane Chiefs. And Mitch Holmberg is a former Naylor who played for Spokane during 2013-14. By the way, as we look forward to the top 20 players in ECHL history, some players who I think have a really good chance to make the list, we have three former Wheeling Thunderbirds or Wheeling Nailers who are in the ECHL's Hall of Fame, Darren Schwartz, Louis Dumont, and Daniel Berthium. So we'll see how those three stack up and if they are all indeed in that top 20 of all-time players in ECHL history. So how about where are they now? This is really cool, and it's fun as we always track and see where players go after they finish their playing career. And there's a player from this past year's team who is looking to stay in professional hockey, but instead of being a player, turning himself into a referee. And that is Dalton Reum. And that's going to lead us very nicely into our special guest today, who is the manager of officiating for the ECHL, Stephen Thompson. Dalton looking to make his way into the officiating world, retired as a player this summer, and this past week he attended the NHL's officiating combine in Buffalo, New York, hoping to begin his professional refereeing career this season. Dalton completed his playing career, which was five seasons long. All of it was spent in the ECHL. So good luck, Dalton. I hope you had a great time at the camp, and who knows, maybe we'll see you with the orange armbands at West Banco Arena coming up this season. Let's bring in our special guest for the week who comes to us today from Buffalo, New York, where he is attending the NHL's officiating combine. It's the new ECHL manager of officiating, and that is Stephen Thompson. Stephen, first off, congratulations on your new gig with the ECHL. How's the summer treated you so far? First off, DJ, thanks for having me on. I really appreciate it. Uh, summer so far has been good. Very busy uh, transitioning into my new role here with the ECHL, but overall, very, very good. It always fascinates me looking at some of the young guys throughout pro hockey and sometimes when they make the decision that it's time to move on to something different. And you're only 28 years old with a lot of life ahead of you. Why was now the right time to hang up the skates and pursue a new opportunity? Yeah, I mean, it, uh, to be honest with you, it was, it was a difficult decision. I mean, obviously, I had been officiating for uh, quite a long time at, at a professional or at least a higher level amongst juniors and things. And, and officiating actually started when I was 13 years old. So it was something that had been a part of my life for a very, very long time. Uh, it was a difficult decision, but you know what? At the end of the day, uh, I just think of it as I'm just basically getting a promotion. So although I'm stepping off the ice, I'm, 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 I'm thinking of it as a positive. I didn't do it as a negative. Um, and, and hopefully, obviously, a job in management, I get to stay involved with the game. So nothing really changes for me. I'm involved in the same league I've been a part of for years. I see the same people. I have the same friends. But the only difference is, is that, you know, instead of bringing uh, my hockey bag to the arena, I now bring a briefcase. And instead of going on the ice, I go up into a press box. So quite honestly, yes, I'm young. But you know what? I saw it as an opportunity to be a younger guy, uh, which normally, you know, there aren't many very young guys in the management side of things. So for me, it was just an opportunity that I couldn't, I couldn't resist. 
You've achieved some pretty neat accomplishments during your career on the ice. You reached the American Hockey League. You worked two Kelly Cup finals and also the 2018 World Junior Championships. What did you enjoy most about what you did, and what did you take the most pride in? What did I enjoy most? Oh, that's tough. Um, it's got to be the people you meet. Uh, there's no better people than hockey people. I think everybody in the industry understands it. Um, it, it. I've gotten to go to the far ends of the earth to referee hockey. It's given me opportunities to travel and see places. It's just, it's given me so much, but I have to say the people you meet everywhere. I mean, I could call somebody probably at any state right now and they would meet me for lunch or a coffee on a drop of a dime. So it's got to be the people, and, and that goes from not only officials. I'm talking coaches. I'm talking door security guards that we have in the arenas. I'm talking, you know, anybody you meet along the way, uh, it's got to be the people. Those people, you communicate with them constantly throughout the games, whether it's the players or the coaches, and obviously they know that you have a job when you're the one with the orange armbands that you have to decide what decisions are going to get made, right, wrong, and different, whether they like it or not. But what kind of relationships did you try and have with the players and coaches while you were on the ice? Yeah, I, you know what, through the years you learn, you learn that, you know, some ways are better than others. You're gonna, you you kind of learn for yourself what works and what doesn't. Uh, personally, I like to be more of a lighthearted guy. I like to laugh. I like to, you know, joke with the players. I like to smile. Um, it, it, make, it gives a human element to maybe what is a, ultimately what people perceive as a serious position. So there was, I, I would try to be funny, and then that way if I did yell or something was needed to be addressed, they, they would understand that maybe I, was, maybe I was serious. You know what I'm saying? They would take it more serious. So I just like being lighthearted. That always is a good way to help things out. How much does communication play into the game nowadays where you're not only having to kind of be that lighthearted person, but there's a lot of teaching in this thing with new rules and new philosophies getting added year after year? Yeah, like communication is, is, is by far, bar none, the most important asset or tool in the toolbox for an official. I mean, you, you have to know the rules, you have to be able to skate, but at the end of the day, if you can't communicate uh, to the players or to the coaches, it's going to be a really long road for you. It's, most of the time, if you are a good communicator on the ice, and I've seen it in so many good officials, you can talk players out of penalties. You can talk coaches out of penalties or doing certain things that maybe that you notice to incur a penalty. So people don't understand. They think that obviously just the penalty is the way we, well, you know, the way you go about taking control of a game, but that's not it at all. If you notice trends happening in a game and you can take control of that before you have to call a penalty, I would consider that more successful than having to call the penalty. What's the differences between working a one-referee system here in the ECHL and a two-referee system in the American Hockey League where, like you said, you have a lot of control over it when you're the main guy here in the ECHL, but what about that dynamic when you have two? Yeah, it definitely throws everything for a spin. I mean, and especially because you're never working with the same guy. So you're you're working with a different personality, a different guy every single night in a four-man system usually. It, you, a lot of it comes down to preparation, what we talked about before the game, make sure everybody's on the same page with where we're looking. Um, you know, we obviously have guidelines when you're here, you should look there, but making sure that he's on the same page, um, maybe even talking about like, oh, I, I haven't seen this coach or this, this captain or whatever it happens to be, and then the other guy maybe will feed you some information about him or say, you know what, like if there's an issue, just, just point him toward me. So it's a little more preparation goes into it, but at the end of the day when the puck drops, the game doesn't change. Um, 
it, the skating is still the same, except now you're just doing a little bit more backwards. And obviously, as long as you're on the same page with your partner, uh, as far as especially standard, keeping the standard the same, and then if, if you notice on the ice that something's going wrong or you don't think your partner is something, like maybe discussing that when you have an opportunity so that you, know, you don't let it get too far. But other than that, when the puck drops three versus four, it doesn't really matter. You're skating just as hard. You're taking as many steps or, or strides. It's, I mean, it's, it's still very hard work, but obviously you get different sight lines and advantages, uh, especially behind play. We have a former nailer who's with you in Buffalo this week trying to make his jump into the pro officiating game, and that's Dalton Ream. What do you say to the young guys when they're looking to make that step into the pro game as some of the challenges they may face or something that they really want to focus on to make themselves a great official? Yeah, well, first I would, I would just I would tell them that you know the officiating world, it's just like in the playing world, you have to be a really good teammate. So he's going to meet, uh, and I met him while he was here. Uh, he's going to meet a lot of people, and you know he, he should be a good teammate to the guys in the locker room when he's on the ice. These guys that come in, I mean, and now that I'm on the management side of things, what's important too is we want we want good people, and we want people that work hard. And it sounds simple, but uh, working hard, especially as a hockey official, is a, is a different beast than most other professions. So we're talking work ethic and hustle. We're talking. You know, off the ice, whether somebody is uh, high maintenance or low maintenance as far as their needs. So if I had to give them any advice, I would just tell them to work hard, uh, keep his nose to the grindstone, and, and just be a good teammate. Now that you make that step into management, kind of an area that a lot of people don't realize, but the travel, we have it easy as the teams because we just take a bus everywhere, but you officials don't have it that way. So what would it be like for you? Let's say you had a Reading game Friday, a Wheeling game Saturday, a Fort Wayne game Sunday, traveling from place to place and making sure that you have enough sleep and some good nutrition. Yeah, that's difficult. That's really, that's the, that, that is the tough part of the officiating world is like you said, we don't get a bus and more often than not, you're by yourself. Um, personally, I would I like to get into the city the day before if possible. So if I'm going to Reading, I would drive down the night before, get down in time to maybe have a meal and get a good night's rest. And then that way I can wake up refreshed on game day and go through my normal routine of breakfast, uh, having a pregame workout, and then obviously maybe a little bit of a nap. Um, and then depending on where you're going in the second city, maybe the same thing. I mean, if I can stay in the city of my game, I will. And I would travel in the morning, but there's, I mean, it's the, some of the schedules that I've been given in the, in, the, in the past years have been so incredibly crazy that it's just not physically possible to travel perfectly. You have to learn how to adapt. So uh, it's just important, like you said, that you're getting, you're getting enough sleep and that your nutrition and hydration's up and, you know, be it as it lies, however many miles are between one city and the next, and sometimes that's as much as eight hours. You know, you're driving four hours after a game and four hours the next morning to get to a town. But just learning how to adapt and uh, keeping some sort of routine is pretty important. Did you have any favorite cities to go to, whether it was because they chirped you really hard or you just enjoyed going there? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's so cool when you get to see so many different places. And, and honestly, like, I, I, I couldn't even say I have a favorite. It's just, I mean, I'll, I could be, I could tell you that maybe Jacksonville or Fort Myers in January, February is nice. Uh, a little, little heat for us up here in Buffalo getting pounded with snow. But, uh, yeah, I mean, everywhere you go, it's, it's something unique about each building in the ECHL, and that's what's really cool about it. Um, 
you know, I can go down to Reading and I have, we have these, this group of fans who they meet us after every game or, and try to buy us dinner and they're there every single time. And then, you know, you can go down to Orlando and it's the same guy leaning over, <laughs> leaning over the uh, gate on your way out yelling at you and it's the same thing or an Adirondack. I mean, so they all have their own little intricacies, but no, every ring's different. I don't think I have a favorite, but. Obviously, wheeling is uh, wheeling can get kind of crazy too, but I I, I don't want to go that far. Well, you did have a fun moment uh, in your career in wheeling, and you knew I was going to bring this one up. Education Day 2015, <laughs> and you had an interesting situation with Mark Recky. Would you care to tell your side of that story? Yeah, I I guess I could if you wanted me to. Um, so Mark Recky, well, at the time I didn't know who it was. I'll be honest; it's kind of embarrassing, but uh, I I went out and. We're doing our hot lap, and we're getting ready to start the game, and I see another guy on the bench next to Clark Donatelli. I'm like, God, geez, he looks like a hockey guy, I, but I don't know who he is. And I'm like, I didn't see any releases about a new coach or anything like that, so I'm trying to put the pieces together. So, you know, and it, it was what it was, and the game starts going on, and the linesman comes up to me. Uh, I won't name names, but the linesman comes up to me and goes, hey, this guy on the bench is giving me a hard time. He goes, I don't know who he is. And I'm like, oh, Okay. So I said, well, what, you know, what do you say to you? What's going on? So I got the information. So then I went over to Clark, and uh, I said, hey, Clark, listen, I don't know who this gentleman is. I said, but, you know, he better stop yelling at the linesman. You know, I had a discussion, but he better stop speaking to the linesman. And, and one of the funny parts of the story was he, he didn't have a tie on. So I said, you know what, and if he wants to yell at me or yell at us, tell him to at least go put a tie on. So Clark, Clark's laughing and saying he's not saying nothing, he's not saying nothing. And I'm like, all right, I just addressed it, that's all. So then uh, Cincinnati's coach, they were playing Cincinnati that morning, Matt McDonald, he's over on the bench, and he calls me over, and he goes, hey, what's going on over there? I go, oh, nothing, just the guy without a tie on is giving my linesman a hard time, and I told him, I told him nothing to go put a tie on. And, and he starts laughing. So I'm like, why is everybody laughing at me? Like, I, I couldn't figure it out. So then I, I go to drop the puck. I don't remember who the sentiment was, but I kind of leaned over, and I go, hey, who's that, who's that coach on your bench without the tie on? He goes, Oh, yeah, that's Mark Recchi. And I'm like, come on. And he looks at me and he starts smiling. He goes, yeah, that's Mark Recchi. So I think now that it's like everybody's out to get me on the ice, that it's a joke, it's not Mark Recchi. So I go to the goalie. Yeah, that's Mark Recchi. He's, he's coming from Pittsburgh. I'm like, oh, okay, great. So I go in the locker room and I ask the off-ice guy, hey, is that really Mark Recchi? He goes, oh, yeah, I came down to player development. He came to stand on the bench today. <laughs> so then I went out to the next period and I, Clark and Mark uh, both were on the bench before the players got out. And I went over and I said, uh, I, said I, I come to apologize with my tail between my legs, but uh, uh, Mr. Recchi looked great without a tie on and, and you can say whatever you want to me the rest of the night. And I had the two of them on their knees almost laughing on the bench. But uh, pretty embarrassing, good, funny story to tell, uh, but that's the truth behind it all. And I actually found out later, uh, I was talking with uh, Joe Ernst, our vice president of hockey operations, and uh, he was there that day as well. And I guess Mark Recchi came into Clark's office and said, uh, you know, Clark was like, hey, why don't you come on the bench? And Mark goes, oh, no, I can't. I didn't bring a tie. And then sure enough, here I am, this little squirt of a referee telling him, who am I to tell Mark Recchi to put a tie on, but just. Overall, really funny story. One I'll never forget, that's for sure. Thank you so much for sharing that. It's always fun to hear that one, and that, I'm so glad that you're so willing <laughs> to be able to do that. Are we going to see you in our travels this season? Absolutely. I'll, I'll get an opportunity. Um, I'll be traveling probably two to three weekends a month, so just as, you know, maybe a little bit less than when I was officiating, but uh, 
I'll be able to get hopefully make it to every building so I can get an opportunity to see uh, and evaluate every one of my guys on my staff. So, absolutely. That's outstanding. It sounds like you're going to have a great year ahead of you. I know you've had a busy week this week up in Buffalo with all of the up-and-coming referees, so I won't keep you any longer. But, Stephen Thompson, thank you so much for talking with me today, and we'll see you over the course of the year. Awesome, DJ. Thanks for having me. Big thanks once again to Stephen Thompson, the ECHL's new manager of officiating. Very busy week for him as he was at the NHL officiating combine in Buffalo, New York, getting a look at some of the officials who look to be making their way into the pro game this season, such as our Where Are They Now former nailer Dalton Ream. Keep your eyes out on our social media, as always, for events that happen during the summer and also for news. Our good friend Spike went over the edge on Friday for the YWCA. What an incredible time that was. A couple of other upcoming notes to be aware of, as I mentioned at the very beginning of the Toolbox today. Home opener is on Saturday, November 3rd. Get your tickets now or get flex plans. Those are always terrific for the big five promotional nights coming up on this season's schedule. The regular season opener coming up in mid-October in Norfolk. Also, shout out to our friends in the Booster Club who are taking a trip to Cincinnati on October 20th to see the Nailers take on the Cincinnati Cyclones. For more information on that, you can visit their website at NailersBoosters.com. You can get there through our website, WheelingNailers.com. And as always, for tickets and more information, you can call 304-234-GOAL. That's 304 234 Four six two five. We're less than two months away from the start of the season. Hope everybody's getting through those summer months and kids are going back to school. So best of luck to all of you. And I'm DJ Abasella saying talk to you next week on the Toolbox.